Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. I have about 50% of my portfolio in mutual funds, and I'm looking to put about 20 to 25% of my portfolio into a little bit higher risk or a good bit higher risk. And I wanted your thoughts on the cannabis market. And provides unbiased answers. Great question. And the fact that you're looking in this space is, is smart. I do think it will be legalized within the next probably four to five years. Invest Talk. Over 31 million downloads and counting. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. I wanted to get your opinion on ticker symbol W-I-N-G. It's for Wingstop Restaurants. I'll tell you this. I love wings. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial, independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, April 19th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in this hour and on today's program and podcast. I'm going to do my best to make it instructive and informative for you, our listeners, and I'm going to do that using our mission statement of independent thinking and shared success. So whatever I speak about on the show, whether it's talking about an individual stock, explaining some market process, explaining investment rules, discussing a market report or an economic report. All of this will be presented without bias, and I'm just here to give you the facts that I see in front of me, as well as using my 20 years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions, and when you do that, you get to shape the show. So you can call right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, or you can leave a question anytime in our Invest Talk voice bank. Either way, the number is always 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to our first question now. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. I wanted to get your opinion on ticker symbol W-I-N-G. It's for Wingstop Restaurants. Thank you. All right. Looking at Wing. And I'll tell you this. I love Wings. Wings are one of my favorites. And I like Wingstop. And they've done well recently. But the question is, have they done as well as a bit as a business as they... I've done it as a stock. Since 2015, when it hit a low of 16, 17 bucks, it's up uh, close to 1,000%, especially if you go to its 52 week high, which is $172 a share. But it's off a bit from that, 20% down from that 52 week high to $137.69 the close today. Trading. That means it's trading at a forward P.E. of over 100. Over 100. Let me repeat that. Over 100 for a restaurant. Yeah, it's a restaurant chain. Yeah, it's growing. But is it worth 100 times earnings? Is it worth 88 times EBITDA, enterprise value to EBITDA? They have modest debt. 
the cash flow is good, but is it worth $4 billion as the company on free cash flow of only $59 million? I'm going to say no. Way, way too expensive. It's got ahead of itself. And the multiple needs to come down, and I think dramatically. Probably still another 40 to 50% before I even think about this. Definitely below $100 a share. So, good company. Return on equity is good, but it's not knocking it out of the park. Return on assets, 11%. That's solid. But it's also in decline. It was 20% in 2018. So that growth has come at some cost. And you, you see this often with restaurants, fast-growing restaurants, is they grow and they grow and they just put money into opening new restaurants. And what oftentimes happens is they cannibalize their other restaurants because they put too many of them. Boston Market was a good one. I remember that was in the 90s, and that uh, ended up going bankrupt because they, they ran too fast, too far. And Wingstop, not saying they're going to go bankrupt by any stretch of the imagination, but you're seeing their return on assets decline. And so the multiples at, the trends in profitability, I'm just not comfortable with it at anything above $100 a share. And frankly, probably closer to 60 or 70 is more reasonable. Now, because your financial future will require that you stay invested, you will need the right information and effective strategy to help deal with this market transition and to remain successful on a consistent basis. Anybody can have great month, great year, even great couple of years, but it's going to take a consistent strategy and discipline in order to make the right decisions more often than not. No one's going to be perfect. Don't expect yourself to be perfect. You're going to make bad decisions every once in a while. But the goal is to limit those bad decisions and to make sure those bad decisions don't linger, meaning they don't drag your entire portfolio down, your entire financial situation down. It's about staying disciplined. So I'm ready right now to take your calls on our Invest Talk Anytime listener line at 888 chart so let's check in on the market today. Modest down day. SP was down 22 points, about half a percent. The NASDAQ, that was down a bit more, uh, 137 points, about 1% on the day. And if you look at growth first value, once again, this was a day where growth certainly underperformed to a dramatic degree. And you had some big losers in uh, the growth side of the market. 3D Systems is one example, and a few big winners, but those were mainly on the value side, like a Harley-Davidson. That was up 10% today. So this was a very interesting day. Tesla was down 3.4% on some issues with their autopilot and some deaths there, uh, and those are starting to add up. And we're still in the midst of earnings season. We had some big earnings after the bell, I believe IBM, was out after the bell from remembering correctly. And so really it was a down day and an overbought situation for the market, but really nothing that is going to kill the market as a whole. Hasn't changed the momentum, just, just one day at this point. Uh, but as earnings season goes along, there's going to be a clearer picture of where earnings are for the first quarter 
and going through the balance of the year as companies give guidance. Now, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And for investors, we need to remain vigilant. The calendar it says 2021. We know there are many changes ahead. So naturally, you will have finance and investment questions. So that's why I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Take a quick look at your financial to-do list. At the top, make that phone call to the Invest Talk Anytime Listener Line, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen, Justin. So my question is for new investors, Google, Google, Yahoo Finance, uh, MSN Finance, what's a good viable source? You know, I know all these companies give their kind of valuations on their own and they have their own opinion, but... What's a really good baseline to kind of like, you know, when a new investors are looking at these companies, where would they want to look for any idea where's a good place to look as far as sources and, you know, all that fun stuff. Hopefully I can hear from you guys. Thank you. Well, the first, pers- first place any person should look, any investor should look, is their broker. Their broker, most brokers, whether most large brokers, are going to have some resources for you, some information, some data on particular companies. Many will often subscribe to certain research outlets, like a Reuters, for example. And many times those will be free, absolutely free. Whether you're at Fidelity or TD or Schwab, that's one of the big reasons why I encourage most people to not be at Robinhood because there's very little resources on that front along with their other issues. But the big brokers have oftentimes solid data and resources for next to nothing. If you're a TD Ameritrade retail client, you get Thinkorswim, which is a fantastic platform. Once again, I have no skin in the game. I don't get any kickback. We use TD as our broker, but it's not like I get paid for saying this. I just know this to be fact, and, and clearly I need you to guys to have good data. And Thinkorswim, is a, has, from a review point, has some of the best reviews in the industry. And so if you want good data, first step is going to your broker. Don't be using MSN Money or Yahoo Finance. I've seen so much, so many problems with their data that's just inconsistent, sometimes very wrong, backdated. For example, P ratio. Understand a P ratio. The price is pretty straightforward. What's the current price? That should be pretty accurate. But the E, are they talking about trailing earnings? Are they tra- talking about projected earnings? Maybe they're talking about a mix of both. Some are looking back to four, for the last four quarters, and that's what the earnings are being used for a P ratio. Others are going, okay, here's what analysts are expecting over the next year for earnings, and they're using that P ratio. Those two E's are very different. I've seen some outlets using a mix of both. Last two quarters reported, and the next two quarters estimated. So it's a good example of why you really need to understand the data that you're get, getting and be able to trust it. And I understand that could be difficult. There are other sources that you can subscribe to, the Morning Stars of the World, uh, IBDs of the World, etc. And I always encourage 
people to have some subscription uh, service. Doesn't have to be expensive. Maybe it's only 20 bucks a month. You can find decent ones out there for that. But I would encourage everyone to spend a little bit. If you are making these decisions, you're going to need data to be successful and good data, clean data, easy to use data. Now my focus point today concerns this story. Evictions continue as many states struggle to distribute relief funds. Now after the pandemic cost millions of jobs, one in five renters were unable to keep up with their housing payments, and Congress has allocated $45 billion in rental assistance. Now, what's taking so long to get this dispersed? Well, what's interesting is some states just haven't created a program to distribute the money. Kind of wild. How can landlords survive? I'll break down to that story a little bit later. Now, let's squeeze in one more question here before the break. Hi, this is George from Washington, and I'm calling about the Center Corporation. Ticker is CNC. I just would like to get your opinion about uh, future perspective on this company. Overall, the company grew last year, but as I see in December, there was a decrease in growth, and I'm kind of wondering what uh, the future numbers look like. On your charts, uh, I'm considering to take a small position. Thank you very much. All right, this is CNC. Centen is a managed care organization focused on government-sponsored healthcare plans like Medicare, Medicaid, uh, and the individual state exchanges under Obamacare. And they serve 21 million members, 1 million Medicare Advantage members, and 2 million individual exchange members. That's pretty interesting. Let's see, mainly in the Western region, it looks like. Yeah, so, interesting company. And the stock price really has been flat for a while. If you look at the chart, since 2018, it hit almost $75 a share and has been shopping in a broad sideways range between 45 and about 75 since then. Now it's sitting at $65 a share. No dividend, $38 billion market cap. And recently, it has been growing pretty dramatically since the pandemic. Not a shock, since certainly more people are going to be apt to focus on their health care coverage. The question is, will that retrench post-pandemic? And how would a Medicare for all type of plan or a, or a public option, which I believe that is what the Biden administration uh, supports is a public option. I mean, you don't have to use the public medical insurance, but at least you have the option. Everyone has the option to utilize it if they want. So, how would that affect it? I'd really have to dig, do a little digging there. But it is relatively cheap, I will say that. And I'm going to give it, I'll give it a thumbs up. There are some risks there. Uh, but I like how cheap it is relative to the earnings and the free cash flow. So, give a thumbs up. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I want to help you. I need your participation as a part of this show. So, we're taking your calls live at 888 chart The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. 
Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today concerns a story about evictions continuing as many states struggle to distribute these relief funds. And there's a lot of relief funds out there, but there are some issues with that. Now, since the... Since Congress has allocated a total of more than $45 billion in rental assistance after so many Americans have lost their job, this has left one in five renters unable to keep up with their housing payments. But only about $16 billion of that $45 billion have been released. But in May, the Department of Treasury will begin sending more money to states for the additional $21 million. And states like Montana, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, they have all not yet opened a system to disperse these funds. And others are uncertain if they ever will, like Washington, Oregon, Ohio, Maryland, etc. So 20 states have yet to open a program to give out this aid. And a lot of advocates are saying that some states are giving too or requiring too many arduous documentation to get this aid. And that means evictions are starting to happen. The CDC ban on evictions went into effect last September. But the eviction lab at Princeton University has identified more than 217,000 evictions in just five states and 19 cities that they track. And some federal judges have questioned the CDC's authority to give out these eviction bans. States like Texas have issued guidance saying that judges don't need to enforce the moratorium. And that means more and more people are actually getting evicted. Now you can argue whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But this will have an impact on the housing market as a whole. Because it's not just about foreclosure moratoriums, it's also about rental moratoriums. If you're a landlord, you don't want to deal with a tenant not paying, paying their rent, maybe you want to sell it. Well, if they're in there not paying you rent, relying on these eviction moratoriums, that also means you can't sell it. Nobody's going to buy a home where there's a renter squatting in there and leaning on some federal eviction moratorium ban. And so that's another big, big contributor to the lack of inventory on the market. And the big question is, when will this potentially be up? In Texas, for example, found that 176,000 people have begun to apply for financial assistance, but only 250 applications have been approved for that payment. So it just goes to show you, This system of helping people and giving out money is very difficult. The government's not very good at it. It reminds me of the main reason that the Federal Reserve is looking at basically creating digital bank accounts for everybody so that if they need to distribute funds, they can do so quickly, efficiently, and easily. And to me, that's a side story here. 
show how inefficient these aid programs really are. And I'm going to be watching this, and, and it's, it's something that is vital to the housing market. Where is it going? How long can it stay this elevated? When can we get back to some level of reasonable supply in the market? And looking at this, it's still coming, but it's going to be a while. Now, you've heard me say that we get Invest Talk caller questions from all around the world and across the U.S. Well, here comes a question from a listener in the Bay Area here in California. Hi, guys. This is Dan from Walnut Creek. I was looking at Penn, P-E-N-N, which is a Penn National Gaming, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. Thank you. All right. This is Penn National Gaming, and this is a casino company, but it's better known for Rob. Rob? Is it Rob Portnoy? Portnoy? I just remember Portnoy. And he's, I would say he's a marketing genius. He's out there. He's crazy. He's got, oh, it's Davey. That's Davey Day Trader. Dave Portnoy. There we go. Davey Day Trader, and he's day trading stocks, but typically he's usually betting on games. And as the, they expand, or as the government makes online gambling legal in more states, that platform of Barstool Sports and Dave Portnoy are going to be a great driver for users. The problem is, is that this has gotten way ahead of itself, and now it's in a downtrend. This broke in March, hit a high of $142 a share. Now we're down to 93 down 34.5% in the span of roughly a month. And revenues are still in decline. Earnings are nowhere close uh, to where they were pre-pandemic. And they have a lot of debt on that Barstool Sports uh, purchase. So it needs to get back down to a reasonable valuation. I think this is probably headed, though, into the 50s, maybe even the 40s. That's where I would be thinking about it. I think there's big support around 40. But it's in a downtrend now. So I don't like things that have gone on a huge run and just started a recent downtrend. It means that there's probably some big reversion in the mean, and it's going to take a little while before we get there. But around 50, I'll start thinking about it, but not quite yet. On the next Invest Talk, the story. Banks lost billions of dollars in the first quarter due to the Archegos fund meltdown. That story tomorrow, but for now, give me a call at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, 
I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Look at the calendar. We're already moving through the second quarter. The market has been interesting, and serious investors need to bring their best game. Invest Talk is here to help. The phone lines are open 888 99Chart. And when you hey, download Justin the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. Hey, Justin and Steve, this is Darren in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, I've got a question for you about cryptocurrency. I have a hard time getting behind this because it just seems like somebody woke up some morning and said, hey, I'm going to do this and give something value that really doesn't have value, especially since it's not recognized by any governments. But of, of course, it's taken off and it's, it's very powerful. So my question is, is there any kind of hedge to watch out for? Because in my opinion, there's going to be, I guess what I would call a crypto bubble, like the dot-com bubble, the real estate bubble, I think there's going to be a crypto bubble at some point because this thing is so overvalued, yet it's not tied to anything. So I would love to know if you guys have any ideas on how you would make money or hedge when that happens. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye. Well, if there is a crypto bubble, then we're in it, clearly. The fervor is very high. The speculative nature of the asset class today is incredibly high. I hear about it all the time. Reminds me a lot, a lot, a lot of the housing market back in 04, 05. That's all I heard about through friends. And I'm doing the exact same thing today. And you're right, there are issues with the fact that it's knocked back by government and people... People ignore history. A lot of Bitcoin advocates ignore history. And the, the nature for governments to want and need control of their own currency, for example. And I know this is not the biggest or most powerful country in the world, but over the weekend, Turkey banned the purchase of goods and services with Bitcoin. 
You think they're the last one to do it? Probably not. It did create a bit of a sell-off here in Bitcoin. It was around 60, I think, 3 or 4,000. Now it's at 55,000. So you're right. There are potential issues and risks with it and other, all the other types of cryptocurrencies as well. But that doesn't mean that it can't survive. It can't get better. It's like technological problems can't be improved. Very likely can't. And will over time. But as with the internet decades ago, it's going to take time to mature and find its place in the world as more than just a speculative asset, which I would say right now cryptocurrencies are solely, almost entirely there for speculation and not for real, real world use. One of my favorite quotes, Warren Buffett quotes, is price is what you pay, value is what you get. And a lot of people talk about the price of cryptocurrencies, mainly Bitcoin. They don't talk about is the value you get, which is what you can do with it. That is the value. And right now, there's not a whole lot. Now, how can you play the downside? Well, there are futures that you can trade. It's pretty difficult for a lot of people to, to do that. Uh, but there are also companies that have a lot of exposure to cryptocurrencies, and their values are predicated on the price of Bitcoin and others. Coinbase is a good example, recent IPO. Now, they're not trading options right now. But one called MicroStrategy, which is actually a company, but holds all of their cash in, in Bitcoin, has risen to very high values. The, the value of their Bitcoin is now, I believe, worth more than the actual company. And so it's going to fluctuate dramatically. In fact, down 8% today because of the drop in Bitcoin over the weekend. And that does have put options that you could purchase on that. And that's one way to do it. So futures and put options, that's probably the best way and find the exact vehicle to, to bet against. And so um, there are some derivatives for that, but not the simplest thing if you don't understand those derivatives, but there are ways to bet on the downside. Now every week or so here on Invest Talk, we get calls about Tesla. Many times I've given you my answer, but since we are constantly attracting new listeners, I circle back to cover popular topics every now and then. So let's play this question and I will update my answer. Hi, I'm interested in purchasing Tesla but I read that uh, it's way, way overvalued. And I'd like to know your thoughts and, and what's a good entry point if it is a good, good stock to own. Thanks. Well, you probably are a new listener because I've never been a big fan of Tesla and I've definitely been wrong on the price of the stock. Uh, but if you look at the fundamentals of the business, they've, they're not really that great. They remain not that great. They continue to issue more shares, dilute shareholders. Uh, they're, they're, actual car selling business is a money loser and they mainly make money on regulatory credits and as more uh, more automakers enter the electric vehicle space the value of those those credits are going to go down so it's really not a sustainable business model what they're sustainable at is having great marketing having a brand image that they are the future and they are the best in the space and in some ways that's definitely true uh, but in most ways, when it comes to building cars, there are many other manufacturers that are better. 
And so really the ethos of the brand is in a lot of ways a facade. And they're really good at issuing shares. Since 2011, they've doubled the amount of shares outstanding from 502 million to now over approaching 1.1 billion shares outstanding. And so it's just wildly overvalued. Even if you believe the 64 cents in earnings, it's trading at $700.62. Sorry, down $25 a day, $700.14. Still wildly overvalued. Where would it be at least reasonable valued? Well, most car makers trade at single-digit multiples. So let's give it a 10 multiple on that earnings. We're talking about a $6 stock. Is it worth more than that? Maybe, probably. Is it worth 100? Probably not. And it's at $700.14. So, there's my answer. Don't touch it. I wouldn't, unless you're just playing momentum. You're playing the chart. And the momentum still remains up. But that momentum is certainly weakening. Now let's keep it moving. This question came in earlier at 888 chart Hi, this is Sean in Charleston, West Virginia. Been listening for a while and have got some great advice and learned some really great things from you guys. I had a question. I have about 50% of my portfolio in mutual funds, and I'm looking to put about 20 to 25% of my portfolio into a little bit higher risk or a good bit higher risk, and I wanted your thoughts on the cannabis market something that the tide seems to be turning on. There's more and more support for it. Mexico is legalizing, hopefully, in this coming year. And there are a couple of ETFs that I've looked at that seem to be managing their risk a little bit better and less risky than what I want. So it might be a safer bet. But thanks so much, and I look forward to hearing your answer on the air. Great question. And the fact that you're looking in this space is, is smart. I do think it will be legalized within the next probably four to five years. And that's going to open up a lot of opportunity. The difficult part is figuring out who will be best positioned, both from an asset perspective, meaning brands, facilities, etc., but also from a leadership perspective, CEOs, C-suite, to take advantage of the legalization and gain market share rapidly because it's going to be a free-for-all. So that's the biggest risk is not being able to bet on the real winners, the real leaders, the ones with the great leaders near the top of the business because it's an industry that is filled with you know, ex-drug dealers, people that don't have a lot of business acumen, but it's definitely attracting more and more legit business people. And so finding the great management teams are going to be vital when investing in this space. Now, what if you don't have the expertise? You don't have the data. You don't have the ability to find those great managers. Well, a mutual fund or, sorry, an ETF is probably a great way to do that. And if you're just trying to gain exposure, broad exposure, that's probably what I would do. Five, ten. 15% of your portfolio, depending how aggressive you want to be, how much risk you really want to take. And so 
that is the way I would go it go with you unless you have some deep knowledge about the space and the companies and be able to really bet on ones that have great leadership. Well, now that we're into the second quarter, I think it's worth time to take a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley through our company, KPP Financial. We are based in Irvine, California, which, if you don't know, is just about south of L.A. in Orange County. And on InvestTalk and at KPP, we operate with the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, meaning we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air, as well as practice parallel investing, which means we invest in the same assets as our clients, right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take our free portfolio review offer via telephone, Skype, or go to meetings. Send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. We talk about whatever is on your mind. We would love to help. No obligation. We just want to help you. Next up, a caller from Napa, California. That's in one minute. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the InvestTalk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. The first segment of the Rapid Fire Hour is hosted by Justin Klein, and Steve Beasley handles the second half. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Let's talk with Noel in Napa, asking about Lumen Technologies. How you doing, Noel? Okay, uh, Justin, good afternoon to you. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm interested in uh, Lumen and... Uh, but I recently, looking at a kind of a recent stock report, CFRA, um, dated April 3rd, 2021, and they're giving, uh, I was wondering if you'd agree with any of this, they're giving a sell order and also, you know, they indicate the subscriber base of Lumen is going down, and of course they have a bit of debt, but What's your take? Well, we own Lumen for clients, and, and we still really like it. And this is one of those problems with many of those just standard uh, reports that are just straightly, straight driven on the data uh, and not understanding underlying strategy of the business. Um, CFRA is a, one of those examples. It's just using sales momentum, cash flows, et cetera. And... That's what it's basing on. This isn't a human behind that cell recommendation. Now, what Lumen is, it's uh, the old century link, and it's under uh, new management and new strategy. And the new strategy is to allow the slower, less profitable internet business kind of roll off and focusing on investing and growing their high-speed high speed internet business. And 
that is actually expanding their margins. So even though you're seeing their, their revenue growth dropping a bit, which we expect it to even out and start growing next year, their margins have gone from 53.5% in 2017 to 56.9. And in a time when, once again, their revenue shrank. And they're paying down debt on a consistent basis using that cash flow. They've committed to their dividend. And we like the strategy that they've deployed. And they have a lot of great assets. And this is a great example of it's not just about understanding the current, current place the business is in, but where the strategy is likely to take them in the coming years. And what that will ultimately mean for the business. And what we think it will also mean is still very strong cash flows, positive free cash flow of $2.8 billion last 12 months on a company that's only a $14 billion market cap. And they're expected to bring down their debt over the next few years to a, a level that is very sustainable using that cash flow and maintain their current dividend. So while the reports that you might get might have helpful data, you need to always understand when there's a buy or sell or hold recommendation, is that coming from a real person? Or is that just generated by the numbers? The quantitative analysis. There's also qualitative, which is strategy, leadership, etc. So we still like Lumen. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. I have a question for you. We own uh, Bristol Myers Squibb BMY. Uh, just wondering if we should uh, sell it and move on to something that would do a little bit better. What's your question? 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open 888 99 Chart. Hi, this is Selena from Minneapolis, and my question is about Caterpillar, ticker symbol CAT. I bought it on the dip in 2020, and I'm up about 76%. I've been taking profits on the way up. I'm now to the point where I don't want to split my position any smaller, so I'm considering getting out of it, and I'm just wondering your thoughts. It looks like it's at the 52-week high about. It's been going down for the last two days, and it looks like the growth potential, the PEG ratio is three. So I was thinking maybe it's a good time to sell. I'd love to hear your thoughts, and I'll look forward to hearing it on the show. Thanks. Bye. Oh, the, pe- the PEG ratio, the PEG ratio, that's something that I don't hear a lot of people talk about. Definitely a better metric than just straight up PE. Basically what it is is PE divided by the growth, and the lower that number is, the better. So saying it's trading at three times the growth rate, and which typically is relatively high. You want that closer to one. In this market, that's very difficult to find, but that's what you want. Now, it is a, trading at $126 billion market cap, 22 times enterprise value EBITDA, through almost four times revenue. Uh, and that's a lot for a company whose revenues 
are down 15% year over year, 15. Earnings are expected to bounce back in 2022 to $11 a share, but that's what they were making pre-pandemic when it was trading at about $150 a share. And frankly, that's a lot closer to our value, $150. So the fact that you're looking to get out of this would not shock me. It is expensive, even though you're going to need Caterpillar machines for infrastructure, et cetera, but there's used equipment, and you know, is it really justified this multiple, the potential infrastructure bill, which may not happen until next year, the year after? Who knows? Probably not. So I like that you're looking at that. The MACD is declining, starting to weaken some. And so what I would definitely use is the 50-day moving average. Since this move started in April, May of last year and broke above that 50-day, it's consistently found support back in June of last year, August of last year, once again in October, and then November of last year, and then February of this year, just consistently hitting that 50-day and going higher. And so if it breaks that, that is a huge signal that the trend is over. Right now that's trading at $200.20. It's only $12 away, talking 4%. So maybe you want to give it a little more room. And that 250 days is going to continue to march up a little bit higher each day. So that's probably what I would use is just a simple out at the 50-day. But selling it here is not the worst idea either because of that valuation and the fact that the technicals are starting to, to weaken. But the momentum remains strong. So, hey, it could march up to 250. There's so no, nothing really stopping it. There's no resistance. It's not an all-time high. So I like that you're looking at getting out. Uh, so either just get out now or use a 50-day moving average, break below that, gone. This is Invest Talk. I see the clock, and I think I can fit in one more quick question here. So let's try right now. Hi, my name's Jeff from uh, New Jersey. I just wanted to ask a question as a new investor. How can I begin to diversify my portfolio? I um, have a lot of money in one stock right now, and I'd like to diversify. Thanks so much. Well, let me use some diversification rules. If you're looking at individual stocks, you need about 25 different names. About 25. You can do more. You definitely don't need more than probably 50. So somewhere in that range, 25 to, to 50 different names. You want to spread it out between probably all the sectors. You want exposure to all the sectors. There's always at least one good company in each sector. Doesn't mean you have to have an equal weighting. There's 11 sectors, so you don't need 9% in each sector. One sector, especially, say, when interest rates are rising, there are certain sectors that don't do well. Utilities, for example. Maybe you underweight that sector. Maybe you only have one position. Other sectors, cyclical. Industrials, for example, right now, I want to overweight. So you probably have exposure to every sector but brought, make sure you broaden it out. And don't go over 20, 25% max in any one sector. So I hope that helps. If you're looking at mutual funds, ETFs, those are broadly diversified. You can get a higher percentage. But 3 to 5% of each stock is what you want. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve and I, thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. 
There's a new program each weekday shortly after the end of our live stream broadcast. Every weekday that concludes at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Get your free download anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And as always, investtalk.com. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial.